This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler, General Manager WZIP. Today, a couple of guests. Dr. Robert Peralta is here. He's a professor of sociology and also the director of the Center for Conflict Management. Heather Pollack is here. She is um, a visiting professor of instruction, um, known Classics. for rethinking race. There you go. And, and actually, you were just here, I don't know, five months ago, six, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, talking about rethinking race, and then the previous semester, I think, uh, because of study abroad. Yes, so study, a that's hats. a whole that's very unrelated to what we're talking about today. Uh, but nonetheless, it's out there. So if you're interested in study abroad, you can always just look on our <laughs> website, find it out. She'll email you back. You'll find out all about it. Thanks. Um, you know, the reason that, that Robert and Heather are both here today is you know, we've had a lot of, and, and maybe a couple that are more notable than others, a lot of things happening not just in the country, but in Akron, mm. that have prompted um, an incredible reaction, um, and, and, and for a lot of reasons. And you know, specifically, we're talking about the, the you know, recent shooting death of a, of a suspect by Akron police. Uh, we are also talking about the Roe versus Wade decision that came down just, what, two or three months ago? June 24th. Um, June 24th, okay. And you know, I think these are examples of, of, of things that do, and tell me if I'm wrong, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> These are examples of things that do, you know, really spark an incredible amount of emotion and, and passion yeah. and conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two opposing sides that are just at each other. And, you know, we're, we're so used to talking about this with politics. Um, but this is a different level, I think. I th- it's still I think politics. It's, well, but, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can take them apart from each other. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, when we, when we talk about conflict itself... Conflict is, how would you define conflict? In the way I, I think about it and work in it, it's conflict around a, a social issue uh, where people become entrenched on their side. Uh, it becomes tied to one's identity. And I think that's where the conflict emerges uh, because folks don't want to feel wrong. They don't want to feel like they don't, they're not aware of the facts and then they become defensive. Um, and that's when it's oftentimes really hard to come together and subtract the person from the policy or the issue at hand mm-hmm. and to try to understand re- from a real calm and informed place what the issues are and how to bet it best move forward. It's sort of the problem stems from becoming entrenched in, in sort of ideology. Mm-hmm. And that's when the listening that is so needed starts to shut down. And that really shows how this is these kinds of things, not just those two things, but things like that, including those, yeah. are so much different from you know, like a maybe a domestic conflict at home most of the time. You, you have some kind of a dispute with somebody you care about, a child, a spouse, you know, whoever it might be, right. even neighbors. Right. But usually it's a singular issue probably fairly easily resolved most yeah. of the time yeah. if you allow it. But you get into some of these things, and I, th- I think they're so multifaceted. And, and we have, I think our emotions are coming from a different place sometimes with some of that. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you brought up an important point, maybe even just by accident there, Chris, where you say uh, dispute with someone at home, someone you love, a sibling or something like that. In those cases, those are people you know intimately. And so it's not quite the identity politics, the identity uh, crutch that Rob's mentioning, because you know how that person may react. You probably know how that person feels, and it might even be closer to you than you know a stranger. So when you get into those arguments with strangers, that's where people's backs are up, and that's where you have 
a tip of the iceberg that's known and the rest is unknown, so you're trying to do a scatter shot. You know, you're trying to get all those pieces and try to react to them. And the, like you said, the listening shuts down because you're preparing to respond rather than listen and digest and uh, mitigate. So, yeah, if you, if you don't know people, that's where we get into more conflict. You both use the word listening. Is that, mm. is that the key what? when we're trying to resolve <laughs> <laughs> some kind of a conflict? I would say so. I mean, deep listening, I think, is really, really important to sit down and really think about what the person you're conversing with is saying, not thinking about what you're going to say next or how you're going to battle or retort or contradict or whatnot, but to sit and listen. And I think, you know, I'm a sociologist and we're deeply trained in empathy and also the sociological imagination to really try to understand the world, the perspective, the situation from somebody else's shoes, from the person you're talking to, how they might perceive the world. And I think it's really important for both sides to engage in that kind of deep listening and empathetic listening so that dialogue that is calm and rational and respectful uh, emerges from the, from the discussion so that we can avoid conflict and, you know, and some of the scary places that conflict takes us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, we just need to calm down a bit and think about the lived experience of others and respect what that means. And some others have had pretty traumatic experiences, right? Like the J- Jalen Walker and his family. Mm-hmm. These are extremely traumatic situations, and I think it begs the, the requirement for some empathetic listening to what that might be like. There are probably people um, listening right now who are saying, oh, I, I listen. I just don't agree with them. Yeah, the agree and to sometimes disagree Sometimes you wonder, thing. are they, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know I question that sometimes, whether it's you know, through social media or whatever, and I think, well, are, but are you really listening? And I think yeah. that's what you're saying, yeah. that maybe yeah. we're, we're hearing but not listening. And that's such a, a broad statement. I just don't agree with them. Well, there's surely got to be some place we can agree, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Jalen Walker situation. I think we can all agree we want safe communities for everyone. Mm-hmm. Is that really a controversial statement or position, no. right? Uh, in, in the listening and discussing, if we can find that common goal that is supported by most of us, I think we can start to reach inroads to conversations about how to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some people, I think it, it might have started with um, a couple of things. One, we have this thing called social media, mm. and, and so people can really go wild. I think it's really, Heather, what you were saying, you know, you're, you're talking to or, or typing at, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, unknown. Right. I mean, yeah, you're friends, you're connected somehow, but it's a little bit different from that loved one you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is we, in, in this case, you know, we have the ability um, to, you know, stage protests and, and you know, demonstrate in, in ways like that. Um, are those healthy outlets? Let's start with, you know, when people do want to gather somewhere yeah. and, and, and try to relay some kind of a message. Is that something we, we should be doing? I think, it, I think it's hard to answer that simply. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you make me say it simply, then I would say the answer is yes. I think the idea of having your voice heard and being in a collective space with other people who are... Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the combined power of good intentions. Protests don't always, aren't always made up of combined good intentions. Of course, there's a lot of conflict at protests. But I do mm-hmm. believe, uh, and, and maybe it's just democratic and maybe it's just American, but I do believe in the idea that you should get to have your say and you should show up to stand in the way of something that is unjust, right? 
Um, today, I think social media has uh, denigrated protests a little bit. You know, people people just sort of take a stand over little hills that they decide they might die on on a Tuesday for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so that can kind of be problematic. Uh, again, I don't think it's simple, but I think ideologically, yes, of course, we should protest things. I think I think for some people, isn't you know the, just the act of going there. And, mm-hmm. and even if you're not really doing much of anything, but maybe listening to some speeches or yeah. holding the candle or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's the outlet you needed. Sure. You know, you're, maybe that's all it is for you, and you, you felt a sense of relief. So I guess maybe your, your feeling of conflict might be reduced just, just by attending. My first, the first time I left my house after we locked down in 2020 for COVID was the George Floyd, George Floyd protest downtown. Mm. Other than that, I wasn't going. I mean, I was sitting outside my patio, but I wasn't going anywhere period. And that was something I was, I was willing to, I was risking. That was it. I'm going, I can't not go to this. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I think those things drive people. Yeah. And I'm sort of speak to your question about social media. Obviously it's a major place for information where people are going. Um, And, you know, I I think about it and it's, it it could be quick and interesting. And the problem is, is it factual? You know, I come from a place, I'm a professor, I, I'm paid to think and, and read deeply about things, and not everybody has that, right? I mean, we're all busy, we all have our families, our friends, jobs, and we don't have time to think deeply about issues, so social media is an opportunity to learn. And But I think what, what needs to happen is just to make sure you realize that uh, there's more to the story and to think critically about what you're looking at and what you're reading and, and just take note of the sources and try try to get information from a broad array of sources and, and not just, you know, one aspect of social media. Um, I know it's difficult, but um, social media has a place and it's very powerful. And I think we just need to realize, you know, it's just one singular outlet among lots of places mm-hmm. to get critical information. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's... I think there are, are there other, you know, tips that the average person um, could possibly be following? I mean, you just mentioned a couple uh, in terms of whatever you're reading... Figure out where that's coming from the best you can yeah. and, and maybe look for something a little bit broader. Other things that the average person should be doing just to kind of maybe settle some of these things in their mind enough to where they can, I guess, reduce the conflict enough to maybe act in a way that is more proactive. Yeah. Oh, I think going to movements, right, uh, protests and, and attending and having and listening to what's being said and trying to process it and, you know, fact-checking. What, what is being said at the protests? Does it make sense? Is it supported by any kind of evidence? And, and um, you know, make up your, your mind on issues in, in an informed way, in a responsible way. I mean, that's what part of being in a demo- democracy means, right, mm-hmm. to be engaged and informed so that we can make decisions around the family table and the, the voting booth, what have you. But, and you know, it takes work and it takes effort, but it, it's worth it, right, to make our country safer and more humane and a better place to live because there's always room for improvement. Sure. But it takes an informed society to get there. You think that people look at some of those things differently now than they did, whether it's decades ago or centuries ago? I mean, this country in particular has a, you know, yeah. a very long-documented history of, of people, of public discourse, mm-hmm. you know, whether it is that protest, I will say to use that word, I, I think yeah. some people have such a negative connotation with it, but, you know, whether, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, that, that whole idea of public discourse 
has a rich history in our, in our country, but I, I have a feeling that maybe you know, the way we go about it now and the way we react to it now is, has, has changed, and maybe not in the best way. I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I have a couple of thoughts on that. Sure. You know, they say there is nothing more patriotic than dissent. But as you're thinking about that, then you can, then you can justify something like the January 6th insurrection, right? But what you have to do is scratch the surface and not just say, here's this little thing that I don't like, so I'm going to just storm the Capitol, right? You, ha- you have to go a little further, and that's what Rob's talking about with the critical thinking. Here's the rabbit hole part. I think in this current climate, we are kind of fighting on a bunch of fronts, right? And one of them, which is really sort of insidious, is the idea of um, diminishing critical thinking, diminishing higher education, diminishing the idea of, you know, everyone says, I I have students who will say that their parents say, well, you're just going to school to get indoctrinated into liberalism, right? And, And... I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think we can talk about it. I don't think we have enough time. But if if what you're hearing all the time is the one place that will train you to teach, to, to think critically, is full of hot air, then you have no reason to follow that path. And then you can resort to and trust yourself in the pool of, I'll just do my YouTube videos, I'll just do a TikTok video that tells me how to feel about this. You know, that, that kind of stuff is surface. You know, there's no depth. Um, so I'll stop before I go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> it's probably, it's, I mean, it's probably really difficult, though, and I, I hate to generalize, but I'll say it anyway, I okay. guess, you know, to, to teach younger people. And I'm not necessarily saying just college students mm-hmm. or even people just in that age group, but younger people in general. Yeah. Um, to do that work that you're both talking about, to not just the first thing that pops up on your phone, right. have that be the end. Um, I, I wonder how we, how do we get that message across to people, I have a couple of tools actually. Um, the, uh, Bill Lyons and I talked about this on air with you last year. There's a program called Unify America, U- the Unify Challenge. Mm-hmm. Did, you did mm-hmm. it too, right? Yeah. It was fantastic, wasn't it? A hundred percent of my students did it, and a hundred percent of them said it should be required in every class. And the program, uh, sort of a an exchange. So. Uh, it would hook you up with someone who identifies as your polar political opposite in, I don't know, Nebraska or something. I'm just randomly picking it. And then you get on the phone and you have a Teams call, a video Teams call. has to be an hour. Uh, several of my students did it for three hours. They just kept going. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them to a person realized that they probably weren't doing that deep listening and regarded a myri- myriad situations differently because of the exercise. Did you, did you find that yeah. was yeah, helpful? Yeah, I was amazed. They, they went into it thinking they were going to just be opposed and not agree on anything, and it was going to be you know a waste of time. But they felt it really moved and engaged in the discussions, um, and it really suggested to me that we are kind of um, missing yeah. engaged discussion with one another. Right? I think we've come into a place where we're assuming maybe the worst of one another and not broaching topics because we're afraid. Um, but in this safe space created by this assignment, this Unify America assignment, they found the space where they can, like I said earlier, agree on larger goals that I think are not very controversial, mm-hmm. right? Just about, like you said about having a safe community. Yeah, right. Like, right. you know, uh, 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 or, or what, you know, um, thinking of climate change, uh, can we come to a place where we want to minimize the effects of, of what, what that might mean for all of us, right? Um, instead of arguing, does it exist or not, but right. sort of thinking critically, what does the science say uh, or whatnot? 
Um, but yeah, I think a lot of us are missing that opportunity to engage in honest conversation without erupting into really harsh and hard positions and defending ourselves. And this this sort of experience has really, really reinforced that notion. I mean, don't we have the opportunity and we're just not taking advantage of it? Kind well, of. Yeah, go ahead. That's where social media comes in. There you go. Right? It's actually this isolating experience mm-hmm. where you're engaged with your device and reading what other people are saying. And then it, it I don't think it, it fosters community discussions in, in broader groups. It's a very individualistic enterprise, you yeah. and your machine. Um, and that's my concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you don't ever have to be wrong. And if someone really disagrees with you, you don't have to be friends with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You can get out of it. Yeah. You can just delete you them know? Yeah. right off your feed. And yeah. But I, you know, I think the other part of that is actual exposure. And I know it's going to be like that buzzword, you know, diversity. And, and that's not exactly what I mean, but kind of. You know, you get into a bubble where you're just with like-minded people or even just people who look like you, right? Or who worship like you or who love like you. But if you have an opportunity to get outside that. And, I, and I'm not blaming people who are stuck in places where that's hard. Akron U is pretty homogenous, right? But you can take advantage of things that come your way. Rob and I and other groups on campus, we work really hard to offer lenses that people can then take advantage of and just chip open that thing that leads them to listening and recognizing other people. And, and seeing is a big deal. You know, if you don't ever see anybody who's not in the same camp as you, it's not entirely your fault for not thinking what their life is like, right? Mm-hmm. So, so here on the college campus, we are constantly offering events, constantly offering information, hoping that students and faculty and people of the public will just come and get their feet wet. You know, so shameless plug for rethinking race, for Center for Conflict Management events, uh, and you know, any kind of social justice conference or 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 speech or any kind of thing like that people should go yeah. it's all free and you're at college for four or five years right. so get all of it while you can mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're all for community building i think our efforts are aimed at bringing people on campus events talks to really present ideas and engage in civil dialogue yeah. with one another in order to build community and to increase trust and to reduce suspicion and i think those are key elements to address the conflict that is bothering all of us, right? Right. Yeah. You know, out, outside of social media, um, I wonder how much you think that mainstream media has influenced the things that you're talking about hmm. that might have led to some of the places that we are, you know, good or bad. I, I find in the last decade or so, I've, I've really had to say explicitly to my students how to find unbiased news sources, Right. And and I shouldn't have to say that news is supposed to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I say some really simple things like if there are adjectives in front of, you know, the person's name, like this person behaved like a petulant child, you know, that's unbiased. That's biased. Right. What you know, what what you would say is, uh, you know, so and so said this today. His critics said this about him. Mm -hmm. His fans said this about it. That's unbiased. And if your news isn't saying that, you're not actually getting unbiased news. And I think that makes a big difference. And I'm, I'm super sorry that I have to say that to students. But, you know, if no one tells them, then they just 
watch whatever their parents are watching or read whatever mm-hmm. their parents are reading. Yeah, we have um, a, a membership agreement that we use uh, <clears throat> here at WZAP and with, with ZTV as well. And um, part of that talks about how in we see a lot with in radio, particularly more like satellite radio and, mm-hmm. and the shock jocks, you know, that sort oh. of thing. Um, and also with reality television, where we are have proven <laughs> through ratings and so forth that we are entertained by people who engage in conflict yeah. and in really nasty ways, um, you know, out talking each other and, and, and maybe threatening people and all, all, the, all the things. You know, we've all seen it, right? Mm. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, if that kind of thing lends itself to this as well, you know, where that's how we're seeing in, in television and in movies and in listening to audio sources. That's how we're seeing and, and hearing people resolve problems or not really resolve problems, but talk about problems or yeah. yell about problems. Yeah. And, and if we're influencing people in a, in a negative way, that that's, that's what you do, hmm. you know, and, and not, you know, because how many TV shows, and, and let's be honest, how many TV shows would be popular if the premise of it was, you know, the kind of conflict resolution that you're describing? <laughs> a TV show about deep listening. Right, yeah. yeah. As important as it is, I mean, people probably wouldn't watch it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's an issue. I mean, complex sells, right? Um, right. People like to watch, yeah. and it, it does sell. But I think we touched on and this. If we're not balancing it with other things, mm-hmm. you know, that's what people know. Right. I just wonder how much they're going to react, yeah. you know, kind of based on that. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> this is going to kind of loop into my, my study abroad thing that you mentioned. But, uh, you know, this is a very American thing. This is culturally bound in many ways. The idea of competition, uh, you know, capitalism, uh, that cowboy mentality. We go out into the final frontier, we make it ours. You know, we urinate on the leg of something and then it belongs to us, you know, that kind of thing. Again, I love America. I'm totally into it. But there are cultures that don't do this and they aren't concerned about the rugged individual and they aren't driven by conflict. We just don't live in one of those. And now with the inrush of social media and, and all sorts of other things breaking apart, we are smack dab in the middle of a soup we don't know how to swim in, mm. you know? And I'll touch on something you made me think about, um, media and what we should trust, but, you know, journalism, I think, is being questioned now, right? Mainstream mm. media, it's something, sure. and it's sort of along the lines of questioning experience, credentials, and, and our institutions, right? All of these are now being questioned, um, but with journalism, I mean, it's journalism extremely important in, in getting the message across as to what's going on, the, the right to 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 bear witness to movements and historic uh, situations and and the news and I mean and, and uh, the politics coming out, Washington, the legislation coming out of Washington, et cetera. Um, but again, with anything else, we need to be critical. What what is the the news source? Who's authoring it? Where's it? You know what. Um, what is the news source, right? And and to what extent is it being um, su- sponsored by you know what which ad agencies and so on and so forth? So it's important to you know use a broad array of of material um, and uh, outlets, so paper as well as uh, television news, et cetera. But it it is my concern that a lot of this misinformation or whatnot is part of this ongoing erosion of trust in institutions like journalism. And um, and and other 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 forms of information. Um, do you have any resources for people? You know where they should be, maybe turning not necessarily just for news, but in general when you know when we have situations like what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what should they really be doing? Is there 
I don't know, a website you can go to mm -hmm. or someplace where you can, you know, kind of find out how to go about some of the things you're describing. I mean, obviously, like when you're talking about deep listening, literally, I mean, we could talk about that for hours. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. what that means and, and, and how you go about that and, and examples and so forth. I'm just wondering where else people can turn. So yeah. I have a little <laughs> blip in my syllabi about uh, media literacy, mm -hmm. but it's a really <laughs> powerful uh, site that collects data on where news agencies and outlets are on you know extremism, bias, mm -hmm. or whatnot, and it lists all the major outlets out there. And um, it's very interesting, and students really respond to that, like, and, and they kind of see how you know it makes sense. But you know, it's data driven, it's informed, and I can share that website with you. Um, again, it's part of my um, media literacy assignment that I start each course with, just to get us all on the same page about how to understand and differentiate between opinion, science, and journalism. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I don't have anything as good as that. Uh, I think that's a. I think that's a great tool. Um, but I will say, just on a personal level, uh, when I'm when I'm confused about something, when I'm um, and I'm emotional a lot. That's who I am, right? Um, but I, I think to myself, who do I really know that knows me, and can I sit down and talk with that person and air out what I'm what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and just check myself against that? I think, like you said, Rob, you know, especially with social media, we're in our devices and and we forget to connect to other people, and so. You know, I have lifelong friends. I'm 51, so our students are 20. They might not have friends they've had for, they don't have friends they've had for 30 years. But I know there are five people I know that I can call them today. I can call them at three in the morning and say, walk me through this. Tell me if I'm being an idiot. Tell me if I'm reading this correctly. And, and I know that's something you have to cultivate. But if you don't start now, by the time you are 51, you won't have it. Mm. You, you have to do that, in, you know, as, as soon as you can. Make those friends. And, and let them know you and then be able to check yourself with them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, and I feel for our students. We're coming out of the pandemic, or I don't know if we are, but you yeah. know, out of the, the <laughs> shutdown. And I think the, our students have lost many years, right, yeah. of making those connections. And it's going to be a challenge for, for students to learn how to make connections, the human connection outside right. of social media, et cetera. And uh, as we as professors, I hope, can help them out in, in our assignments and our lectures, our classes, et cetera. But it is a challenge that I think about and cons I'm concerned about. That's going to make some really interesting research, maybe for a sociology professor yeah. <laughs> at some point, you know, yeah. looking back on, you know, just that aspect of the pandemic and, and how it impacted, you know, that little sector of society, you know, yeah. as far mm -hmm. as using that college experience, however it's defined, to form the relationships Heather was talking about yeah, to kind of yeah. guide us through life yeah. and having, you know, missed out on, you know, for some people, a full couple of years or more, right. really. In a formative um, time. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, we really can't predict the absolute impact of that, but it's, yeah. it's out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to understand the value of social media, understand it's going to be here and our students use it, but also understand that um, there's value in human connection and to help them move out of that and beyond Right. Uh, to establish those connections. Uh, again, to build community, mm -hmm. right? To build yeah. healthier, happier communities. We've mentioned a couple times the Center for Conflict Management here at the University of Akron. Can you kind of explain what exactly that means? What is it? Yeah. Um, well, the, one of the primary resources that the, the center offers is a, is a certificate in conflict transformation. So the certificate involves a, um, a taking um, courses. There's many, many electives that are available. Um, uh, I think it's about 15 credit hours total, 
And in these courses, students learn about social justice, they learn about communication, they learn about conflict transformation methods, conflict management uh, through the coursework. So that's the, the primary um, um, resource that the center offers. We also, again, bring in uh, speakers that talk about issues of the day, like our, you know, um, um, mandatory vaccinations and these things that have been happening in the past that have created conflict. And I imagine we'll have some really good speakers this year as I gear up for the for the fall and the spring. Um, we offer scholarships to our students, um, um, uh, uh, and that's a, one of the happiest tasks is to offer students scholarships. We give about four to five per year. Uh, and also, uh, again, to build community, I, I offer students a place to come and meet and talk and, and get engaged in ideas and how to build a center, how to address student needs. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are the biggest things. And again, the most important thing is, is, a, is a certificate, and we're housed in, in the sociology department here at Akron. And I think the, the center's been tapped to um, lend resources to help in the community oh, as yeah. well at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, the you know, different departments have had issues of conflict, and we've got come in and done different exercises with different departments to again build community, reduce mm -hmm. distrust, and build back confidence in the institution, department, or what have you. Who do you think should be going for that certificate? Mm. Oh my gosh! So it's open to any major. Um, I think this certificate is great for people in business, for people that want to go into science, for people that go into media. Right? It's about how to work with people. Right, that might have different perspectives, backgrounds than you, uh, to learn how to work through problems, th to learn how to come to consensus. I mean, um, it's a, a certificate that has great value, I think, in the work world uh, and would look good for, you know, as any employer is looking at a resume to see this kind of a certificate on that. Um, yeah. yeah, distinguishes a student. Right. I did want to throw out just really quickly, uh, especially. It, recently with the Jalen Walker situation, tragedy, murder. Mm -hmm. um, the Akron Urban League has been working really hard to um, be a resource for people and uh, a bedrock as well. Uh, they worked really hard with the National Urban League to put out a statement um, promising to uh, you know, get resolution and make uh, commitments to whoever wants to talk about it, whoever needs to think about it correctly. Um, and so they aren't you know, part of the university, but that's a big resource in the city. So I wanted to plug them and say that uh, I'm I'm uh, invested in their commitment, and they are absolutely invested in their commitment. Yeah. And again, if you're interested in addressing conflict, come see us at the Center for Conflict Management. Uh, it'd be great to see you. Dr. Peralta also offered some resources for people who want to learn more about ways to really think harder, and as he stressed, listen to relevant, unbiased information rather than just relying on what you've always believed or want to believe, regardless of what those beliefs are. Now, some of our broadcast listeners might not know that this program is also uploaded as a podcast. So in this case, I'm going to drop some information in the show notes section of this episode if you want to check them out. You can find the Zips Unlimited podcast on really just about any popular podcast platform. And one thing you'll see is the crap test. Yes, you heard that correctly, the crap test. Very simple way that just about anybody can determine a source of information on the web, whether it's one that you really want to consider using. There are also some links to help people learn more about news literacy. That'll wrap up Zips Unlimited this week. I'm Chris Kepler. Thanks for listening. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM. Yeah, 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 yeah.